Okay, so hey everyone, welcome back to Between Us. This is like a special episode that I decided to do because of what's been happening recently in Palestine. Um, I have a really special guest. Lama, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Lama Huntaj. I am a Palestinian-American and um, an organizer for the Palestinian Rights with the United States Campaign for Palestinian Rights. Um, I uh, started uh, Palestinian organizing when I was in college with demilitarized Durham to Palestine and have since moved to regional organizing across Texas and Louisiana. And I'm very excited to be here today to talk with um, Fatima. Awesome, I'm really, really excited to have you. And that's really cool. Okay, so let's get a little bit into what's been happening recently. Um, I can go a little bit into an overview or do you wanna just like... Yeah. Um... So uh, thank you for the introduction, Fatima. Um, essentially, uh, all of the all of what we've seen in the news, the ongoing conflict, um, the continuation of, of um, ethnic cleansing being waged against Palestinians and the escalation therein by the Israeli government um, and the Israeli military, uh, all kind of got its start um, with the threatened expulsion of Palestinians from the Sheikh Sharah neighborhood of East Jerusalem. East Jerusalem is technically under Palestinian control, it is the Palestinian side of Jerusalem, but it is increasingly under attack from um, Israelis who are attempting to um, to to usurp the land um, and replace the Palestinians living there with um, Jewish persons from all over the globe, and um, this essentially happened because in the um, like in 1948, after the Nakba, uh, around 28 families were who were displaced from all over um, the West Bank in Palestine uh, were displaced, and instead of accepting refugee status, um, which would have conferred to them many benefits, like uh, like from a political standpoint and would have like strengthened the case for um, like the exist like the continuance of a Palestinian people because the United Nations confers special status to Palestinian refugees as distinct from all other refugees in order to maintain our national character. Um, so it is a tactic of the Israeli government to try and um, manipulate Palestinians into giving away that that citizenship or that um, that refugee status. So essentially um, the Israeli government said, hey, if you take if um, these families uh, give up the refugee status, we will give them homes in East Jerusalem. The the uh, like this was brokered by the Jordanian government, who was in charge of the West Bank at the time. Um, and the families accepted. They moved into their homes. They've been living there ever since. However, Jordan soon lost control of the West Bank, and um, an Israeli court at the time said that all of the Jordanian uh, like compact and agreements had to be honored by the Israeli government and were law. But now uh, Jewish settlers have filed um, claims saying that um, that the Jordan uh, like agreement is nullified, that these families no longer um, their land titles are are null and void, and that the land actually should belong to Jewish people because historically. Um, like the whole land of Israel belonged to the Jewish people. Of course, documentation has been released, um, particularly from like files, uh, from ancient files in Ankara, um, showing that there has been a continued Arab presence in the land of Sheikh Jarrah um, for centuries. Uh, but Israeli courts have thrown that out. And so the argument now being waged by the Palestinians is just that we have these Jordanian agreements, we have the Israeli government in the 1960s saying, that the Jordanian agreements shall remain um, intact. And they're just, that's just flagrantly being violated 
in order to um, pacify these Jewish settlers and to um, like allow them to actually walk into the homes of people who've been living there for generations um, and, and, and take over the home. Um, so this obviously like led to a lot of uh, like, like discontent among Palestinians. They're not going to go quietly from the, their family homes that they've been operating for decades with many generations occupying a single household. Um, and that kicked off kind of like this, uh, this moment, this cultural moment in which um, like Palestinians are protesting in the streets, but Palestinian Americans are protesting, Palestinian Europeans, um, all the diaspora is kind of like mobilized and our, our allies in movement spaces have been, um, we've been so fortunate that they've also joined us um, in this fight. Uh, and yeah, so that's just kind of like a brief summation of why how Israeli settlers are using the guise of democracy and the court and the rigged court system to um, expel Palestinians from their homes and continue the Nekba. Oh, wow. That's actually a lot more detail than um, I've ever heard from anyone, actually. So thank you for that. Because um, I didn't know like a lot of those details about what you said about the Jordanian, um, you know, involvement in the West Bank and all of that. Um, and I also think it's important to mention what also happened in Gaza like a few weeks ago. Um, and even though how there's a ceasefire now, people think that means, oh, yeah, everything's going back to normal. But normal is that, you know, um, people are still under occupation. Gaza is still an open air prison where like 97% of people don't have clean water. They only get like electricity at random times during the day. Um, essentially, it's just like a horrible life. The UN, didn't the UN at one point say it was going to be unlivable by 2020? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was unlivable far before then. It is um, a devastating circumstance in Gaza, which is compounded by um, Israel's uh, basically like every couple of years bombing campaigns that it wages um, under the title of mowing the grass, which uh, is its terminology for um, the system by which it provokes um, like an action, like it, like it uses its unjust policies to provoke actions by um, the government of Gaza Hamas, um, which is just usually rocket fire that is stopped by the Iron Dome. Um, and subsequently, Israel then uh, engages in collective punishment against the um, Gazan people and by bombing civilian structures, indiscriminately targeting like houses, hospitals, schools, um, just to decimate the land, to reify the fact that like that there is no functional life in, in Gaza and like there, there never will be so long as like Israeli apartheid reigns. Yeah, and that's just like, really messed up especially since they use the they do it under the guise of self-defense um but you're talking about like the world's first third most powerful military versus people who don't have a military like if you really think about it i've never seen any like palestinian military like i can't even imagine what the uniforms look like because there is no military um but for israel they have a huge military that gets funding from the u.s and like, that's also something I wanted to go into how we're complicit in this. Um, and a lot of Americans just like, don't talk about it for fear of canary mission or like they're scared of, you know, being fired from their jobs or whatever it is. Um, but our tax dollars are literally going to fund these bombing campaigns in Gaza. And we literally just like the US literally just signed an arms deal for $735 million. Um, of weapons to go from Boeing to Israel, which is really, really messed up. So, I mean, 
I feel like we should be doing something about it as Americans since, you know, we pay taxes to go into stuff like healthcare and education and like, you know, to fix the infrastructure here locally, but it goes to like a military that's rarely ever held accountable for anything, um, for anything that they do. Even though they've done like several human rights violations, they've broken international law so many times. Um, and yet nobody seems to think that's an issue. That's definitely all like an excellent point, um, especially about the um, ways in which we can uh, like leverage our, our purchasing power here in the United States um, to kind of like expedite the end of, of this apartheid. Um, in particular, like the United States, like not only is like the most important, like not only an important um, military supplier uh, to the state of Israel, it is also its chief political backer in all um, like, like, inter- like the, the realm of international relations. Um, of course, like many times, uh, UN resolutions have been proposed and passed by um, by other countries who have expressed like disapproval with um, like the Israeli human rights record. Um, but there are still no sanctions passed against Israel because the United States expressly um, vetoes any type of sanctioning of um, of Israel, which is, is like a resolution is not going to do anything. A resolution is just like kind of like a verbal reprimand. And as long as the um, main power broker in the world, the the world's like leading hegemon, the United States is on your side, then like a reprimand won't um, like won't kind of like forestall any of your efforts um, and will not prevent the, the ethnic cleansing that you were that you're waging from from um, from continuing. Uh, and so it is up to the United States public to assert fine, like, like once and for all that we are actually like opposed to, 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 to the process of the cleansing. We are in favor of human rights for all, including Palestinians. And, um, and that means uh, ending our um, carte blanche check to Israel. That means um, like, like allowing sanctions that will like, like severely like, um, uh, like cripple like their their economy um, in order to uh, like demonstrate the the seriousness the gravity of of, of their actions and the degree to which the, the American public um, like does not stand for this kind of, of flagrant abuse um, towards towards a population that is as you said helpless and um, ostensibly cannot like has like no means of self defense outside of like individual action um, which is largely um, pacified by like Israel's vast military um, superstructure. Yeah, and I also just wanted to like emphasize for people who didn't know, cause I mean, at least for me, it feels like something I've been hearing about my whole entire life, but I'm also like Arab American and um, like, it was just something I grew up hearing about. But then when I talked to people, I realized that people really don't understand like how bad of an issue it is. And like, they also don't understand that the two sides aren't equal. It's not a clash. It's literally like a one-sided genocide. Um, And it's been going on since 1948 um, when um, the UN allowed Israel to establish a state. And there is like a graphic that shows how Israel has slowly stolen Palestinian land over the years. Um, And I can, I'll put that up on my Instagram page for the podcast. Um, but basically, over time, Israel just like keeps stealing more and more land, um, regardless of what the UN says, building illegal settlements on, you know, Palestinian land that's designated by the UN as Palestinian land. Um, and regardless of that, it's just like they like 
if you've seen the um, stories and like social media posts from Muhammad al-Kurd and from his sister Muna, um, what they literally do is like, they literally walk into your home and they're just like, okay, we want to like, we want to take your home away, get out. Um, and it's like the Nakba has literally been, it's, it's literally an ongoing Nakba and Nakba means like catastrophe in Arabic and it's literally horrible. Um, yeah, they basically just like forced people to march out of their homes to refugee camps. And it's very similar to what happened here with the forced displacement of um, Native Americans. So if you know about that and you know, like the Trail of Tears, it's basically the same thing. And um, a good book that I read recently um, is called Mornings in Janine. Um, and I definitely recommend it, but it's like very emotionally heavy. So I'll caution against against it for that reason, but otherwise it's like super informative, even though it's a fictional book. Um, I don't know if you wanted to add anything else, Nema, before we go into what can we do? I think that's like a really, uh, really salient message that you just conveyed there, particularly about um, the Nekba being an ongoing process. So all I'll just add is saying that like, for anyone who doesn't know, like the Nekba, yes, like literally translate to catastrophe, but it is um, the process that began prior to 1948, but is, commonly like isolated as like the incident of 1948 in which 750,000 Palestinians were expelled from their homes um, and became refugees uh, in Palestine and all across the world. Um, but that it is, the Nekba is like the lifeblood of the, of the Israeli state. It is the mechanism by which they are attempting to take like a concrete piece of land, um, like, like east of the, of the, uh, of, of the Jordan River, the Dead Sea, um, and turn it from like like Arab land, like um, to sp expressly like Jewish land, and like so like that means like like erasing the Arab identity of Jewish Arabs. Um, that means uh, forcibly displacing Christian and Muslim Arabs. That means um, appropriating Arab culture and calling it Israeli. Like whether that's you know like from like 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 food, language, anything like they that they, they're attempting to kind of like mask the Arab character of the land that has existed for hundreds of years um, by claiming that, you know, like the Arabs were always invaders and like the Jews were like the rightful owners of, of, of land. And it's, and they try to frame it in this kind of like us versus them, like religious issue um, when really it is kind of an issue of like racial hierarchy and, um, and, and um, ethnic cleansing that is, that is being waged against, against the Arab population there. Um, so this is an ongoing process. Every little thing from, um, from, uh, like, you know, like the, the, the creation of like Sabra hummus on like on illegal Israeli settlements to the actual like displacement of people outside of their, like the pushing, like settlers forcibly pushing Palestinians out of their homes in Sheikh Jarrah, like, like with, you know, like, like the, with battlements and, and, and all, um, is an act of the Nekba. Um, and they will not stop until, you know, the, the, the Palestinian people are completely erased. Fortunately for us, like we will refuse to go down quietly and, uh, and, and show, show no signs of relenting in the face of this terror. Yeah, and that gives me a lot of hope and also kind of like emphasizes the fact that as Americans, we should be doing a lot of things to, you know, help con convince the U.S. Um, to stop funding Israel because the U.S. is also a settler colonial power, so I don't know what else we expect from it, but um, there are little things we can do, and I can name a few, and then Nema, you can go into anything else that I haven't named. Um, so the first one, and this one I haven't seen being emphasized enough on social media, 
is the BDS movement. So BDS stands for Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions. Um, and it's basically those three things. There are a list of products that you can boycott. And um, I think they're doing a, a targeted boycott right now. They don't want to do a blanket boycott because it's just too many things for people to boycott all at once. And it's just ineffective. Um, so right now, what they're calling for specifically are Puma, like the sports apparel company, HP, the you know the laptop company, AXA, SodaStream, Ahava, Sabra, and Pillsbury. Um, and then any like Israeli produce, like if you buy fruits or vegetables and you see like made in Israel or produced in Israel, don't buy those. So that's what you want to avoid right now. Um, and then the other thing you can do is join a local SJP, which stands for Students for Justice in Palestine chapter at your university if you're a college student. Um, they usually run BDS campaigns because a lot of endowment money for a lot of um, large universities in the U.S. goes to Israeli companies. Um, so that's really important as well. Um, and then another thing you can do, and that Palestinians have called for this, like, um, is spread awareness on social media, right? Um, because a lot of times people actually don't know, like, how bad things are. And Israel relies on its PR battle to, like, convince Americans that Israel is the good side. Um, so that's really important to do as well. What else? Yeah, um, I think that's all great help. And if you're not a student um, or, if, or if there isn't like an SJP at your university, just like um, you, the United States Campaign for Palestinian Rights has a list of like partner organizations on its website that you can find um, to try and identify any local Palestinian organizing in your town, but also like looking on Facebook and just typing in Palestine, Detroit, you know, whatever, like Detroit, you're gonna get tons. So like, let me get like, you know, Palestine, Orange County or whatever, like you'll find something, um, hopefully. And if not, you know, take the initiative, like maybe like you can fill a vacuum. Um, otherwise, uh, I think that, you know, like obviously congressional advocacy isn't a perfect mechanism. Um, Congress is not like the biggest friend to the Palestinians, but in this cultural moment, we are experiencing far more hope in the congressional realm than we ever have before. At present, there is a bill called HR 2590, which is the most comprehensive bill related to Palestinian rights that the United States Congress has ever seen. Um, and so pressure, like, you know, just giving your um, your local representative a call, giving your senator a call and just saying like, hey, like support this bill. Like they literally have to like write down every like, like call, email, text that they receive, um, like their staffers do, um, and like report that back to um, to the to the Congress people. So just making them aware that like this is like an important agenda item to their constituents. Like the more people that do it, like the more impactful it will become. Because ultimately, Congress people like care about like big donors and everything because they think that they will get the voters. If the voters directly say like we don't care about the big donors, we don't care about like the lobbying firms that are like like waging a behest of Israel. We want like just Palestinians. Then guess what? Like the, the vote will be flipped, and we see that already based off the fact that Palestinians kind of like um, like have demonstrated that the, their cause is like the noble one. That we are the ones who are like you know fighting for our lives, and that's reflected in um, the ongoing kind of like revolution in social media, um, being more um, pro-Palestinian, more sympathetic to our cause, more understanding of our history and the rich context that that we pervade in. Um, and as a result, like over like six Congress people have like come out saying like, actually like Israel's like exhibiting like apartheid genocidal behavior. And um, like now they're passing like new legislature, like they're proposing new legislation to stop the military funding and to to um, end child detention, like and, and things like that. 
um, which are like super important. And uh, so reaching out to your congresspeople, like like meeting with them, whatever, uh, is going to be really pivotal going forward, especially if you have someone who's like kind of more on the fence and like not like a hardline Zionist or anything. Yeah, for sure. I think in general, those are the kinds of people that we want to target, like people who are on the fence, because people who are already Zionists, like their minds are made up. There's no point arguing with them. Um, but when you have people who like don't really know what's going on, like they're curious, and even if they're not, um, those are the people that you want to bring over because they're very likely to be like, oh, wow, actually, like that's pretty shocking and really bad. Okay, so um, I think that, you know, I'll, I'll support you guys and in, in what you're doing to try and like stop apartheid and genocide from happening. Um, so yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say. I don't know if you had anything to add, Nema, before we wrap up. No, just thank you so much for having me. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, if y'all have any more questions, needs, whatever, um, please reach out to the United States Campaign for Palestinian Rights for any kind of like help in your local organizing or national work. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. No problem at all. Thank you. Have a, like, a great day, everybody. <laughs>